friends, I'm excited to announce our upcoming marriage conference on April 26th and 27th. I know it may seem a bit early, but I'm hoping that you will mark your calendars and plan to attend if you are married or planning to be married soon. Our speakers, Kurt and Rhonda Hamner, have been offering great wise, biblical, and practical pastoral and marriage counseling for the past 30 years. So reserve Friday, April 26th, and Saturday, April 27th on your calendar for our next marriage conference. It will be an enriching experience. about the 2024 Real Options Walk for Life that's coming up on Saturday, March the 2nd. Real Options is a ministry that we love as a church and we financially give towards and have for many years. They're one of our stable mission partners that we've had a relationship with for a long time. Real Options is multiple sites around the Bay Area and they provide loving care and compassion and practical services for men and women facing unplanned pregnancies. And they walk with individuals through those types of circumstances. And it's been a blessing to so many for so many years. And we as a church want to come around this annual fundraiser that Real Options does. It's their Walk for Life. It's gonna be on Saturday, March the 2nd. And you can learn all about it at bridges.info. It's gonna be at 9 a.m. on March the 2nd. And if you wouldn't want to walk, with our Bridges Community Church team that we're going to have, Marshall Cottle Park on that uh, morning. You are welcome to walk with the team. If you want to help raise funds, you can be a part of that. And you can learn again more about that at bridges.info. You can also give. That's the main thing we want to do is to give financially to help again raise funds uh, along with so many others that are going to be a part of this special event. All of that can be found at bridges.info where you can talk to Daryl Winslow, who's gonna be the team captain for our BCC Walk for Life team. We're so excited about it. We love Real Options, and we hope that you will jump in with us to help support this wonderful ministry on March the 9 a.m. We're going to have fellowship together, worship together, and hear from the Lord together through my new friend, Shadia, who is an author and Bible study leader. Uh, we're also going to have a great time of worship together with Jenny Lamb and Laura Breads. And we are also going to eat lots of good food, and the guys are going to serve us this year, so we don't have to work. So then, you can purchase a ticket for your wife for Valentine's Day and uh, offer to watch the kids that morning and that way she can come and enjoy this little mini retreat. Uh, you can sign up in the lobby today or you can go online at bridges.info.
Well, hello, good morning, and welcome to Bridges Community Church. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning. Hey, here at Bridges, we believe that people matter, the truth matters, and the gospel is our only hope. Uh, and if you've been around Bridges for a little while, you're looking up here saying, hey, the platform up there looks a little different. Lights are a little different. Curtains behind me are a little different. And that's because we left this up to remind everybody of the amazing weekend that we've already had. We're going to continue that weekend right now, but we've already had an incredible weekend. And as I said, people matter. Truth matters. And the gospel is our only hope. We demonstrated on Friday night that people matter. When we had an event here called Night to Shine, which is a prom event for people with special needs. Can we hear it for everyone who was involved in that event? It was an absolutely incredible evening. And so we wanted to leave this up, if nothing else, that is a reminder of what happened here on this campus. So many volunteers. We're going to hear a little bit about the numbers and how many people were here a little bit later. But so many volunteers were here to serve the community, the people in our community with special needs, to really demonstrate that people matter. To demonstrate that people are made in God's image. That God loves them. And that they were created for a purpose. And as I was here on Friday evening, we saw that happen. And so uh, we're going to change the lights a little bit. We're going to do something a little different. And once again, uh, today as we worship, we are still looking to God our Father. We're still looking to God the Son. We're still looking to God the Holy Spirit. And we are worshiping together. But let this change of style, this change of scenery remind us of the good work that was happening on this campus on Friday. Let it remind us of the good work that we can continue to do in the future. And I, I know the lights or the, the look may be a little uncomfortable for some of us who like a, a brighter room, who, who like a certain style of worship. But if you're a little uncomfortable right now, awesome. Let that discomfort remind you of the work that we do, the sacrifice we do for those around us. Not for ourselves, but for the community around us. May every night be a night to shine like it was on Friday. And as we worship the Father, let us sing together. Just to get a glimpse of what it will be like in eternity when all creation is singing praises to God. Holy, holy, holy is the one who was and is and is to come. Let's stand together and sing this morning. Join the song they're already singing. Home. 
everybody. Always love having our mission partners in town. And we've got a great one here. Mike Najar, I'm going to ask to come on up. Can we welcome Mike? We, as a church, have been supporting Mike and his wife, Leslie, and son, Jeremy, for many, many years. They're currently serving in Egypt. Prior to that, we were supporting them, serving the Lord as missionaries in Central America and then to Jordan. 
and now in Egypt. We have a short video we're going to show you, and then I want Mike to share some about his ministry, and we're going to pray for them. So let's watch the video. شاف لا الناس ده ليه هم كده وده هم كده عشان كده ابتدى يبحث في الانترنت ولقى موقع مكتوب تعرفون الحق والحق يحرمكم بعد كده انا اتصرفت بعد كده انا خشيت في موقع وعملت المقابله معاه بعد ما اتصلت ساعدوني ان اقابل واحد من الكتاب بعد كده بدينا ندرس الكتاب كان في صراع في داخلي شخصين موجودين في الشخص عاوزني انا اكون في الحته اللي انا فيه وفي الشخص بيقول لي لا انت لازم تتخرج من الحته اللي انت فيها والشخص الاخر بيقول لي انت لو رحت هتخسر كل شيء تخسر اهلك وتخسر اهلك تخسر كل الناس اللي عندك والشخص الاخر بيقول لي لا انت لو خسرت ده هتتعوض بكل شيء لانه هو حيديني حياه جديده بيعودني بالتيني كل شيء انا فقدته فيها عشان كده انا قررت اعرف بورا يصور بورا ما في ثاني اله بقيت احب اشارك الاخرين ما عارفين بديت معهم باول خطوه كان في عزومه في البيت نحن كنا في 15 كم نفر تقول لهم يا جماعه نحن كيف نعرف الحق برضه كلنا جينا رحنا لان البيت الاول كان صغير حاولنا في بيت كبير عشان نشيل الكميه الاكثر لان هنا واثقين في اخوان هيجوا يضافوا نحن بدينا كنيسه بيتيه واحده في الاول بعد كده تكاثرت بقت اكثر من 50 كنيسه بيتيه في مصر فجاه يهود فؤادي اتصلوا بعد ما اتنقلنا من من مصر الى فرنسا وبدت معنا جرات كمان ماشي بسرعه يعني نحن ما متوقعين قلنا لا في اخواننا شجعونا قالوا لنا الاحتمال ربنا عنده بيكم شغل في محل انتم ماشيين انا في رؤيتي عايز اعمل كنيسه بيتي زي ما كان في مصر عشان كده انا بصلي ان ربنا برضه يساعدني نقدر نشارك الكلمه مع الاخوان الموجودين في فرنسا ليعرفوا المسيح Such a beautiful video there. Mike, we're so glad that you're here. If you, did, if you all didn't know, Mike has deep roots in this church family, and it's awesome when we had that kind of partnership over the years. Mike, tell us about 
anything about that video, about what's happening in Egypt, um, how we can pray for you. I'm just so glad to have you here. Well, thanks. And thanks just for all of you, the support over so many years, and even the stories of people who have changed my diapers when I was here as, as a baby. So I really am thankful for all of your, your support and help and prayers for us. Um, yeah, Egypt is just a very key place uh, in the world and in the region. It's right in between Middle East, North Africa. Um, it's, it's a place where refugees go from Sudan, from Ethiopia, Yemen. We have wars on all of our borders, so Libya, Sudan, Gaza. Uh, and so when people come as exiles, as you've been learning lately, uh, people are, come hungry for God. And so we're there in a strategic place to be able to uh, teach people about Christ, about the one hope that they have, and uh, give them an opportunity to follow Christ. And God is moving in amazing ways, like you, you heard um, there's now over 70 churches among Sudanese that we have that have been planted and are continuing to grow. They're already in the fourth generation of a church planting, a church planting, a church planting, a church. And uh, it's just amazing to see God at work. We're also working among the Egyptian population, which is the biggest uh, Arabic-speaking po population in the whole Middle East. And also the most historic church is there, the highest number of Christians. But it's a group of Christians that's been oppressed for so many generations. And so we're helping them to catch the vision for, uh, for the Great Commission and to send them into all the dark corners of the Middle East, North Africa, where people speak Arabic. And they can go in there a lot easier than somebody like me can, plus they already know Arabic. So we just ask for your prayers for all these, these different um, ventures of the gospel, both with the Egyptians that the church would just open up, but also among this refugee population that's suffering economically and physically in many ways, but God is moving among them. So we're just so grateful for all of your prayers for us, for all of these things. Well, we do want to pray, and I, if you've never met Mike's wife, Leslie, she and Jeremy are not here right now. They did come to the California area, but they had to leave a little bit earlier than Mike had to, and he's visiting different churches. But Leslie, we talked about last year when Mike was here around Super Bowl Sunday as well. Uh, and uh, Leslie has a beautiful ministry to young ladies and to women and mothers that are there, many of whom have special needs or other things like that, that Leslie is just doing a, just an incredible job and how appropriate on this kind of weekend when we're remembering what God did at night to shine. So we love this family, and I know many of you love this family. We want the rest of you who don't know this family to love this family and to get to know them. After the service, Mike's going to be out in the lobby for a few minutes and would love for people to come by and to just uh, connect with him, uh, either to get on his email list so you can get updates. Uh, if you want to know more about how you can best support folks like Mike and Leslie and Jeremy, we want to be a part of that. We are so grateful for them. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much for Mike and his partnership. Uh, this is my brother, and I know that there are many people here at the church that um, have connections to this family um, through the generations, and I thank you, God, for what you're doing now uh, in Mike's life. Thank you, Lord, for bringing him here. Would you refresh he and Leslie and Jeremy, Lord, in the work to which you've called them? We also know, Lord, that they would say that they're not anything super, Lord. They're just normal people who heard a call and followed that call, and I pray that we would do the same. Would you raise up church leaders in Egypt as refugees are moving into Egypt? Would you bring about a great awakening, a move of your spirit to open the eyes and ears and hearts of people to, to understand uh, the love of their creator 
who invites them into relationship. We pray for provision. We pray for refreshment. We pray for strength to keep going and not growing weary and doing well. We pray that you would uh, meet every need, Lord, as they head back to, uh, to Egypt soon. And, Lord, that you would um, help them, Lord, to know that there's a group of people here in Los Altos lifting them up. And just so grateful for this partnership, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank Mike again for his service? Thanks, everybody. Let's stand together.
dismiss our elementary school students to join Miss Alba in the back. And hey, if you're a new family with us and you have kids, uh, they're welcome to stay in service. But if you would like them to join our children's ministry, you can actually go with them and see where they're headed, where to pick them up. They're meeting in the back of the room. They'll be in the lobby right now. Thank you. Take it away. Thank you. Colossians 3, 1 through 15. For if then you ha have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, passionate hearts, or compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We're coming in for a landing on our six-week all-church focus. If you haven't been here for the last five weeks, 
Don't worry, we will catch you up quickly. Uh, We have been studying how to live in a place, how to live in a culture that doesn't really feel like home, where our beliefs and values may not be shared by those around us, and we feel like we don't fit. How are we supposed to live in a place like that? Should we keep our heads down and stay quiet? Should we stand on top of rooftops and shout condemnations at everyone? Or is there something else? That's our series. And the good news is the Bible has had a lot to say about this topic. The Bible refers to living in a place that isn't your home as exile, to living in a place where you feel like a little bit like a fish out of water as exile. And we started off our series seeing that really all believers ever since humans left paradise with God at the beginning of our story, we have all been in exile. Regardless of when or where we have lived or regardless of how favorable the culture is to us or isn't, none of us have been truly home since we were home with God in the beginning. And our longing to be in a place where we totally fit and where we totally thrive will not happen until we are at home with him again. That was week one. From there, we studied our identity in exile, which had two components, our identity in relation to God and our identity in relation to others. In relation to God, we are included, chosen, desired, favored, through our faith in Christ's redemptive work. Always. It means God has not abandoned us even when we are in exile. So the acceptance that we crave from others, it has already been granted to us as Christians in the eyes of God. That's our identity with him. Our identity in relation to the world is that we are resident aliens, which means, on the one hand, we don't fit in. We are quite different. People won't always understand us. We're aliens. But at the same time, we're putting down roots here. We're not hands off. We don't isolate from culture. We don't bail on culture. We don't live on a compound. We engage. We link arms. We invest. We stay. So we're residents. We're resident aliens. From there, we talked about lamenting exile and embracing exile. We lament because we're not home. There is a sadness we carry because this world is not as it should be. It is good and proper to grieve what is broken. We will lament. But at the same time, we embrace where we live. We enter into what is broken. We work for the good of everyone, whether they are followers of Christ or not. Then last week, we saw how exile can create unique opportunities to share our faith with others. And those opportunities could never exist if we lived in a place that always shared all of our beliefs and values. And now that you're caught up um, on what we have discussed over the last five weeks of living in a place that isn't home, this week, to close our series, we're talking about hope in exile. Not that we haven't talked about hope every single week during this series in some way, but hope needs its own week. One, because we can never have too much of it. Uh, Two, because when we are in a place where we don't fit, when we feel like things are not as they should be, 
and maybe we have growing frustration and angst, when we're in that spot, our hearts will reach for something to make us feel better. We will try to find a light at the end of the tunnel. It's how we're wired. We cannot live without hope. But not all lights at the end of the tunnel are as promising as they seem. In other words, not everything that we could hope in should be hoped in. So where to hope and where not to hope are very important questions. To help us, we're in the book of Colossians, which is an ancient letter written to a group of Christians who at first found great freedom and joy in following Christ. But subsequently, they were, were infiltrated by other teachings and needed a bit of a reset. So if you are someone who has perhaps been a Christian for a long time, but now you find yourself with less peace and confidence, hope, than you used to, if maybe the state of the world has you tied in knots, if exile has led you to despair and anger instead of hope, Colossians could be very helpful to you. So as we look at this passage today, we will see two choices of where to set our minds, meaning two choices of where to hope, the consequences of setting our minds one place versus the other place, and then how to set our minds in the right place. Two choices of where to set our minds or hope, consequences of setting our minds one place versus the other, and then how to set it in the right place. So first, two choices of where to set your mind. Christ or earth, above or below. Paul says, verse 2, set your minds above, not below. Seek Christ. That's verse 1. Put to death what is earthly or below in you. Verse 5. Paul sets a, up a, a binary choice. It's Christ or the world. There is no third option or in between. There can only be one primary hope or one primary love in your heart. And it's either what is above or what is below. Now, before you want to stand up and argue that, hey, we can love a lot of different things simultaneously, let me stop you. You are absolutely right. You can love and enjoy lots of different things from both above and below. You can love your family, and you can love Jesus. You can, you can love good dinner with your friends, and you can at the same time love what you learn and experience at church. You can like football, and you can like Jesus. I'm going to do that this afternoon. Absolutely, we can do all of that simultaneously. So when Paul says, set your mind above, not below, he is not saying the only thing you can have any desire for whatsoever is Jesus. He is not saying that. We should all love and sacrifice for our families and others. And as humans who are wired for community and connection, I pray each of us has a group of people who feel like they are our people. And I even hope you enjoy football, and I hope you cheer for the Niners this afternoon. All of that is wonderful. So when Paul says, seek above, set your mind above, He's referring to a much deeper, more foundational type of setting your mind than simply what we enjoy or even what we love. He's talking about what you might call the operating system of your soul. What you believe will make or break you. What is the thing that if you had it, you think 
And so this is where your mind comes into play. You think, if I had that, everything would be okay. Or to say it negatively, what is the thing that if you lost it, it would not matter what else you had, you would not be okay? So even if you had all the money in the bank, the relationships are going great, job was a perfect match for you, but you didn't have that, so you feel totally ruined. That is what we're talking about. It's whatever you must have in order for you to feel like your life has purpose and meaning, in order to feel like you have worth or significance. We all have something in that category. And often, there's only room enough for one thing in that category. Because there's probably one thing you believe. If you had that, you could deal with everything else falling apart. As long as I had that, I'd still be okay. And at the same time, you believe if I didn't have that, no amount of any other positives that I could ever have would ever make up for it because I don't have that. Probably only enough room for one thing in that category. And whatever that is, and we all have something, that is what Paul's talking about. The Bible refers to that as worship. So it could be God. It could be Christ. And Paul says so in this passage. He writes, when Christ, who is your life, appears, verse 4. Or verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Those phrases clue you into, he's referring to what is most foundational in your being. So it's not just what you like, not just what you enjoy, but what rules your heart. Or the thing that you would call your very life. Like, this is the breath that I breathe. It's so deep within us, actually, that Paul even refers to it as the self, verse 9 and verse 10. Which means something like we think if we lost it, more than being only sad or disappointed, we, we say, if I don't have that, I don't even know who I am. It goes down to identity, to self. I have to have this in order to be anything. That's self-language, identity language. It's much deeper than simply just what we enjoy. And Paul says there's only two options for that. It could be Christ, like we already said. So we might say, you know, if I have Jesus even if I don't have everything else, even if I don't have anything else, I am made. But if I don't have Jesus, even if I lost everything else, I'm, I'm sorry, I messed that up. If I don't have Jesus, even if I have everything else, I'm still lost. We could say that. So it could be Christ. Or it might not be. And if it is something else other than Jesus, Paul correctly refers to it as covetousness or idolatry, verse 5. That's what covetousness and idolatry are. We talk about this a lot. Idolatry is not necessarily a desire for something bad. Instead, it's an over-desire, often for some, sometimes something for very, very good. You could over-desire career. You could over-desire winning. You could over-desire grades. You could over-desire health, relationships, children, friends, a political party, the Niners, anything. Anything could become the thing that you need in order to know that everything is going to be okay. 
to know my life has purpose and meaning. I have worth as a person. If I have this, I'm made. If I don't have this, even if I have everything else, I am nothing. We all have those kinds of things. Whether we are religious or not, whether we are spiritual or not, we cannot function without setting our minds on something outside of ourselves. Um, this is, it, it's an old movie now, but great story. Chariots of Fire documents two sprinters uh, from the UK in the 1924 Olympics. One of the sprinters, Eric Liddell, was a Christian follower of God. And at one point in the movie, he says, I run to glorify God. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. The other sprinter, Harold Abrams says, as he's looking ahead to the race that is about to happen, Harold says, in one hour's time, I will be out there again on the track. I raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? Abrams is not a particularly spiritual person like Liddell is in the movie. He's not making a religious comment, but he touches on something deeply insightful to how humans work. We all look to something outside of us to make us, to justify our existence, as he labels it, to know we're going to be okay, to know we're worth something, that we matter, that our life counts. That comes from the outside. As much as some modern voices might try to say the only validation you need is from yourself, the only approval you need is your own, you know, the only person you need to love you is yourself. That I can buy myself flowers! I can write my own name in the sand. I'm, it's not true, is it? Um, you should not clap for that. Um, and I need to apologize to Miley Cyrus, uh, who wrote those lyrics. Um, I apologize for both for disproving you um, and also for my horrible rendition um, of your song. It's not true. Validation comes from the outside. When you achieve something, if the only person who applauds you is you, or if you fail at something and the only person who tells you it's okay is you, if the rest of the world is silent, it is not enough, is it? We look outside of ourselves for assurance that it's going to be okay, that we're okay, that we're accepted. In other words, we look outside of ourselves for hope, we will either set our minds above or below for that hope, but we will set it. And there are consequences for where you set your mind. In other words, looking below for hope or looking above for hope comes with strings attached. Either way, there are strings. And the consequences for setting your mind one place versus the other are above equals renewal and below equals decay. Paul instructs, put off one self with its practices. Put on another self, which is associated with different practices. In other words, if your mind is set above, you will get above results. If your mind is set below, you will get below results. You cannot get above renewal if your mind is set below. 
Now, on one level, I'm sure it makes sense that if setting our minds is talking about something so deep within us that it, that it is our very self, our very identity, then of course, obviously, it must form our behavior somehow, right? We, we all realize that our concept of, of who we are connects in some way to how we see the world, to our peace, to our joy, our despair, right? What, what is most intrinsic to us will play out play itself out in our lives somehow, right? We know that. But it might not be obvious why focusing below leads to things like anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscenities, lying, like he says in verse 8. All of those are practices which we would associate with decay, decay of a soul, decay of a community, decay of a civilization. May not be obvious why those are connected, nor may it be obvious why focusing above leads to compassion, kindness, humility, patience, forgiveness, love, harmony, like he says, verses 12 to 14, all of which are behaviors associated with renewal, whether it's renewal of an individual or a community. That may not be obvious, so let's take a minute to think about it. Let's say your mind is set below. You're fixated on something, even if it's something good, but it's an over-desire. Maybe you need an achievement in order to feel okay about yourself or your future. You need that college, that job, that recognition in your job. And if you don't have that, you'll be more than disappointed. You'll think, my life is over. It's an over-desire. As long as that is still out ahead of you, as long as you can still believe, okay, I, I don't have that right now, but I can keep working toward it, right? As long as it is still the thing you need, as long as it's still a possibility out in your future, you could still be perfectly pleasant to those who are around you. People might see you as driven, but they likely won't see anger, malice, slander, lying, decay, but what happens when that achievement is threatened? Maybe you don't even lose it, it's just threatened, uh, which will happen because nothing is secure all the time. And even if you hit this goal, there will be another one and another one and another one on the horizon. So what, what happens when it starts to look like everything you've built your life toward may not come together for you? How are you going to act when you think your very life is gone and you've lost your sense of self? Watch out. People who feel they might lose everything can justify just about anything. They'll start lying in order to get it or to keep the thing that they think they need to have. They will hurt others. When something is that deep of a need and now you might lose it, it's terrible, both for you and those around you. The, the Abrams character in Chariots of Fire, in the Chariots of Fire movie, he, he breaks the heart of his love interest um, so that he can run, focus more on running, which she should have seen coming. Um, because when they first met, she was this professional singer. He was going to be an Olympic athlete. So he asked her, hey, why do you sing? And she says, I sing just because I love it. So then she turns and asks him, why do you run? Do you love running? And he says, it's more of an addiction, a compulsion, a weapon even. 
It's how I protect myself from the world that isn't always favorable to me. If it's that, of course you'll do anything to hang on to that. He has to run in order to feel accepted by the world. He'll hurt whoever he needs to hurt in order to keep that. His mind is below. On the other hand, what if he had set his mind above? On God's love for him, on God's plan for him, on what God did for him on the cross, basically like the Liddell character in the movie. Liddell says he runs because he feels God's pleasure when he runs. So Liddell is not running toward acceptance. He's not chasing after acceptance when he's running. He's, he's not running in order to attain acceptance like Abrams is. He's running from a place of already being accepted. He knows God is already pleased with him, which makes him be, um, much more able to be open-handed with everything. He's even open-handed with winning a gold medal. He desires that, but it's not an over-desire. So, so he's stable. The advantage of placing your hope above with Christ is that it can never be in jeopardy. If you've made God's love for you, his approval, his delight in you, the thing that you must have in order to feel okay about yourself, in order to feel safe in the world, then you will always be okay and safe because that never fades. It can survive any failure it survives even when you are completely rejected by the world. It survives even death. And if you have that kind of confidence, that kind of grounding that cannot be threatened even by death, you'll be a much more gentle kind of person. You'll be an honest type of person because there's nothing that you need so badly that you would lie to get it. You'll be a much more patient person because you already have the deepest desire of your heart fulfilled. You won't be frantically needing anything else. You'll still care about things in the world. You'll still enjoy things. And in a, in a, in a way, in fact, you'll actually enjoy everything even more because you won't be freaking out about losing them all the time. You can be open-handed like Liddell was, even with your reputation, your comfort, your friends, your children, their future. You don't need to cling so tightly to anything. And when you're not as worried about your needs, it frees you up to serve others. Where we set our minds, what is most core about us, what we have to have in order to have life, it comes with strings attached. Focus above, you get renewal. Focus below, you will get decay. So importantly, how do we set our minds in the right place? Um, Paul gives a number of instructions. It's a long list. He starts off, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above. We already know that. That's what we're trying to do. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Verse 8, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Verse 9, put off the old self. Verse 10, put on the new self. Verse 12, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Verse 13, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That may sound like a daunting, impossible list. So we'll break it down and try to make it simple. The first thing to observe from Paul's list is setting our minds above requires some effort. It doesn't happen spontaneously. 
and it's not something you only do once. It's more like training. Um, A lot of days, it could feel like a grind. And I'll say from experience, it is not easy. It is a process from old to new. And just when you think you've got it, something else will happen in your life and you'll have to work the process all over again. Because a lot of times, we don't even know that our minds are focused below until we lose something below and then we notice, like, I've become unhinged. Why am I so freaking out about this? We realize, oh, my mind wasn't as set above as I thought it was. There's more old self to take off. So as far as how to do it, we mentioned some of this in our life group um, content video today, but you've got to catch yourself when your mind drifts to what is below. And then in that moment, redirect it. The scene in Chariots of Fire when Abram's love interests ask him why he runs, and he says, it's an addiction, it's a compulsion, it's how I prove myself. He doesn't stop in the middle of that sentence and challenge where his mind has drifted. He thinks it's perfectly reasonable to be that obsessed with winning. But if he were a Christian, in that moment, when he was asked, why do you run? He may have said, you know, if I'm honest, I run to justify my existence. But I don't want it to be like that. It's unhealthy to have validation from, or my validation from winning races, like at, at the center of what I need. And I know if this continues, I'm going to destroy everything else in my pursuit of that validation. So... Um, I know, you know, singer lady, that this is our first date. But would you pray for me right now? Right? Pray that whether I win or lose, you know, I feel, I feel every bit is validated because the God of the universe loves, loves me so much that he was willing to die to be with me. I need the hope of Christ to dwell in my heart, not the hope of a gold medal. Although it's fine to desire a gold medal, just not the way that I'm desiring it. I need to be at a place where I am at peace, whether I win or lose. That's how we talk to ourselves. That's how we ask people to pray for us. We do not need to act like we have it all together. In fact, we shouldn't act like we have it all together because we don't. We don't need to pretend that we have arrived at the new self operating without ever having any entanglements in the old self. And we can admit it to anyone who we're talking with, whether they are a Christian or not, whether it's your first date or your oldest friend or your pastor. Just be honest about where you look for hope and where you wish you did. Confess your struggle of how hard it is to put hope in Christ. Invite others in to help and pray with you. And that's how we make progress. That's how we move forward. So in the context of exile, because this is our series, when you feel out of place from the culture around you, when you feel isolated because of your beliefs, when you feel like you are to some extent excluded, like maybe the world is against you, or at least you feel some of those in power over you are against you. 
it is so easy to think, it is so easy for our minds to drift and say, if only I had control. If only my tribe had control. If only Christians controlled the laws and the entertainment and the academic institutions and the corporate policy, if only Christians controlled all of that, then I would be okay. Then I would be at peace. Then I wouldn't have to worry so much. If those phrases come out of your mouth, you've got to stop yourself. Tell yourself, I don't have to have that in order to be okay, to be at peace, for the future to be secure, to be free from worry. It has become an over-desire. If you're not sure if it has become an over-desire or not, you can tell by how gentle you are or aren't, how patient you are, how kind, how compassionate you are, or aren't. If you are saying things like, gentleness doesn't matter, winning is the only thing that matters. Whew. Red alert. You have over-focused below. Probably on something good, but it's an over-desire. And now it's threatened. The thing you over-desire is threatened and you are spiraling. Many of you have guessed uh, already, and correctly, that uh, one of the reasons for our series at this time, not the only reason, but one of the reasons uh, for this topic at the beginning of 2024, is that over the next nine months, our faith will be challenged. Because, regardless, of who is elected in November, half the country will believe that civilization has come to an end as we know it. And the other half of the country will breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, I know everything's gonna be okay for at least four years. But if your hope is in Christ, you cannot be in either one of those halves of the country. Because if you react, Either of those ways, if you react and say, the world has ended, or now I know everything is okay, either of those reactions reveal your ultimate hope is below, not above. So whenever, over the next nine months, you find yourself really worked up, and most of us probably will at some point experience a good bit of anxiety because there is a whole industry that profits off of our anger and outrage, and those guys are fantastic at their jobs. So when you find yourself all worked up, you've got to grab your mind and say, my ultimate hope is not a candidate or a party. You've got to confess to others that you feel like the world might end, that you feel like the whole future is at stake. And then you say, you, you're like, hey, I feel this way, and it makes me realize I am not emotionally confident that my Savior lives and reigns and holds the whole world in his hands. I'm not confident. I want to be, but I'm not. I want to be open-handed with whoever is in power. I don't want to cling to what is below for my life. I want to rest in him who is above. If we all do that, 
If we all help each other with this great challenge that will fall into our laps, whether we want it to or not, it is coming. If we help each other set our minds above, like this can be a year, the next nine months can be a year of significant spiritual growth, of taking off the old self, of putting on a new self. So you pray for me, I'll pray for you, that the peace of Christ will rule our hearts and not any other kind of peace. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are worth setting our minds on. You have given us an unshakable hope that can never be threatened by failure or rejection or even death. I pray, Lord, that you would be our hope, that we would be confident in you, your love for us, which you proved on the cross. We pray all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us?
Let's uh, go ahead and take a seat. Don't worry, we will get you out of here by kickoff. Um, I haven't seen this much red in service since Christmas. But anyway, uh, before Steve and Shannon comes up to close the service today, I'd like us to turn our attention to the screen and watch a little video recapping the weekend we've had. I'll give you a few statistics and then just a couple thoughts. 
So this was, we partner with the Tim Tebow Foundation to do Night to Shine. And he's done this now for 10 years. And uh, for those of you who may not know what Night to Shine is, it's a prom-like event for those in our community with special needs, ages 16 and older. So we had anywhere from, I think we had a 15-year-old, to 64, I think. And so um, we had approximately 200 or more honored guests here on campus. And we had over 600 volunteers, and many of them were from this church. And so Steve and I are so proud of the involvement and how you guys take this on and really um, seem to enjoy it. And I'm uh, hopeful that we'll do this for many new years. But like I said, this is the 10th year for the Tim Tebow Foundation to do this event. And this year, it was in over 726 locations, 56 countries, 50 different states, 720, more than 720 host churches, and on six continents. Sounds like we need a seventh there. Um, we also had over 200 parents, about 250 in the parent room. The Methodist Church lets us use one of their uh, areas over there to host our family, so it's a quick walk, and so that works really well. But I just want to say thank you to a couple really key people um, because I want them to keep helping me. Because uh, <laughs> next year, it's February 7th, so write it on your calendars. Um, I don't know if you guys know Arcadio and Thomas, but they are angels and saints. Um, thank you for your help, and really, we couldn't do most of what we do without their help. And for the last probably three months, I've been coming after them after every Sunday, after every church, going, I've got another idea. And usually they smile and say, okay. Um, they told me one, no once, and that's okay. Um, Kathy, if you don't know Kathy Spillar, we couldn't do this without her either. She's in the background doing a lot of hard work. Thank you to her family for supporting her and her daughter for helping us out with the videography. And Natalia, she does all the decor, some of what you see up here tonight. She spends a lot of hours that I don't even know about and a lot of her own money and resources, so thank you, Magdalene. Um, I'm so happy to be a part of uh, church staff and ministers and their wives and pastors and um, that really seem to love this event and think it's important for our community. And so thank you to all of our staff because I basically make you do all Night to Shine stuff this entire week and leading up to it. Thank you, thank you. And then our youth group, you guys are amazing. You help us do a number of things, including gutting your youth room, sorry. Um, thank you, DK, for always just smiling and saying, okay, I appreciate it, because we use that youth room for various things, and so you guys are very flexible. I thank you for that. And then the school, and then you guys as members. Thank you for just uh, letting us do things differently, for being flexible and wanting to be a light in our community. And we do this because we want everyone to know they're created in God's image. They are created on purpose. Um, they are beautiful and they are part of a body that needs them. Um, it's, it's possible that we would say, great, we've done what we need to do and we check off a box. And I'm gonna encourage you to say, to think, no, this is just the beginning. We don't wanna just check off a box. I'd love to see more in this community that you saw up on the 
um, screens be a part of our regular life, our, our faith community. Um, there are so many families that don't have a home. And if we don't do it, there's not a bunch of other churches doing it either. So I would just encourage you in the following weeks to think, how can we encourage and welcome and make those who maybe our community sees as lesser or less important, how do we make them part of our body and feel just as important as they are to God? So that is our next assignment. How can we grow from this and um, really start including more in our daily our weekly worship in our in our services that we have here. It's a big task. Um, there's a few of us that are already doing some stuff here regularly, but and it seems overwhelming at times, but I know that God has a plan and he wants everyone who wants a place in this church to have a place. And so that's what I'm gonna leave, leave you with. Do you have anything to say? I do, thanks for that. <laughs> hey, I wanna thank also our kitchen crew. Way to go, kitchen crew, shoe shiners, red carpet, hospitality people out in the tent, the karaoke people, just everywhere, parent room. You all served with joy. Thank you. It wasn't just a, a service. It was a labor of love is what I told the parents and uh, family members of the honored guests that were over at the Methodist Church, walked over there, and Pastor Dan was over there at one point, too. We just, this was a labor of love, so thank you so, so much. And yeah, let's not just... Uh, check that box, but so many people served really, really well. I know that uh, there are, in a room like this, many different burdens going on, and maybe you didn't get to be a part of Night to Shine, or maybe you were, and you've got other things going on in your life. We as staff and family want to pray for you. We want to be a part of however we can best help you. So please catch us after the service, okay? And let us pray together, uh, however we can be of help to you this week. Don't forget, Mike Najar is going to be out in the lobby, and we want to Go say uh, hello to him. Uh, and yeah, just hope that you all have a great rest of your day. Let me close this in prayer. Thank you, Father. It's been good to be together. I'm reminded of Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Father, this event this weekend, the things we've done here this morning, none of it is about us. We ask that the name of Jesus would be lifted higher today and this week than ever before, in our hearts, in this church, and everywhere that we go, that the name of Jesus would increase, that people would see salvation in his name as our only hope. May we fix our, our eyes on you. May we set our hearts intentionally, with effort and intentionality, setting our heart above where there is life and hope. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to the earth. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of your day. Go 49ers. <laughs>